Hey, Tori, what do you say? What are you talking about today? Shoot me The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Nice. Comes to you from the Carter Subaru studio. Welcome. Welcome to our top stories this hour. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll uh, tell you about... One of the success stories, we were doing our Treehouse Holiday Magic extravaganza this week. We uh, give a chance for you to bid on a fantastic auction item that our show, with mainly because of our friend Tom Nelson from TheOutdoorLine.com and 710 Seattle Sports. Uh, have, we, have we checked the bidding today, Nicole? Are we, are we, uh, have we gotten any higher bids since last night? Oh, you know what? I need to check on that. I'll do that now. Okay. Minus slash holiday magic. I mistyped. You tell me. But uh, the the auction item that our show is doing with Tom Nelson from the Outdoor Line is uh, the winning bidder and a friend. You will be able to go out with Tom Nelson, me, Nicole's going to join us, uh, 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 Joey, who else does the outdoor line with Tom, uh, you and a friend, a guest, are going to go out. We're going to go salmon fishing after the show someday next summer, either July, August, September. Uh, after the show, we're going to go off of Everett, going to go out get some salmon. I believe Mondays and Thursdays are the days you can pull the crab trap, so uh, we'll get you some crab. I know everybody says you can't get fresh crab. Uh, now, if you know Tom Nelson, you can. But uh, the the winning bidder is going to get about a four-hour private excursion on Tom's fabulous fishing boat, same boat we go off uh, Sitka with. And uh, Nicole's going to join us, Tom, me, you, a friend. How are we looking? How are we looking on the bidding, Nicole? Thirty-seven fifty. Okay, that's the same as it was last night. Yeah. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, that's right now. It's the top bid. It's very generous. I can understand that. That sounds like it could be a winning bid, but we still have three more days. So if you want to join us on this fishing excursion for one day next summer, uh, go to mynorthwest.com/slash/holiday-magic, and then you'll see a link for head to the auction. And uh, we'd love to have you. Come out and join us for an afternoon and evening of fishing next summer on some beautiful day. So uh, let's make that happen because uh, this is great cause for holiday magic. And, again, very nice of Tom Nelson to help us put this together as well. So very, very cool. All right, I'm going to talk to one of the kids who has benefited greatly from the holiday magic program because he graduated high school. Because of these people. You'll join me in just a couple of minutes here. But with all that is mere prelude, let's get to the big lead. The big lead. Top story. As a high school basketball coach, there was a lot of joy. There was only one day that was really bad, really rough. And it was the third day of practice every year. Practice usually starts in the middle of November. And uh, the way we did it, I think most schools are this way, is you have tryouts Monday and Tuesday, and then we would do it for half of Wednesday. And then one of the assistant coaches and I would inform every girl, and I never believed in posting a list 
and the girls, because that, that seems like an easy way out for the coach. I think it's up to us to tell every one of them, if they're varsity, JV, C team, or if they didn't make a team at all. And uh, it's it's a tough day because there's some kids who are disappointed. It's also a joyful day because there are some kids who are thrilled with the news they learn as well. But it's the disappointment that sticks with you, and it's it's a tough day. But now these days, it's getting almost impossible in the schools. Let me explain why. Every kid these days is being told if they have critical race theory in the schools, every kid is being told that they are a victim of circumstances beyond their control or that they are a bully, they are a victimizer. But nothing is ever really your fault, your responsibility in the minds of the kids who are getting this propaganda shoved their way. I have found out that at Meadowdale High School, up in Edmonds, Edmonds, Linwood, right there, you know, might be more Linwood. But at Meadowdale High School, which is uh, a, a program I competed against for many, many years, a sophomore girl has filed a discrimination complaint against the girls' basketball head coach. She alleges that he prevented her from playing on the varsity because of her race. The complaint alleges that the coach, uh, I don't know this coach, he's new, so he I did not coach against this guy. I know people who know him and have told me that he's a really solid coach, but I don't know the guy personally. But the complaint alleges that the coach instituted a series of actions that limit chances for players of color while bolstering playing time for white players. This girl is 15 years old. She is Hispanic. And she said she no longer feels safe around the coach because he singled her out, yelled profanities at her, and repeatedly removed her from practice. So the school district says they're looking into it. But the girl's father spoke out to the Everett Herald. And he said that his daughter's a good student who is very gifted athletically. She played on AAU club team since the fourth grade. She played on the junior varsity at Meadowdale as a freshman last year. And she had expectations to be on the varsity this year. Uh, the guy says that Meadowdale is culturally diverse. 43% of the students are white, 24% Hispanic, 13% Asian, 8% black. But he says the varsity girls basketball team doesn't reflect that diversity. He said, essentially, this is the dad, he quote, essentially now we have an all-white coaching staff and an all-white top team with the exception of one kid. Well, other parents have come forward and they said, there's no evidence that this coach has discriminated. Uh, parents have said that there are three girls who are multiracial on the varsity team. And I think it's very sad when parents and kids have come to accept that, or, or expect that any disappointment, and there are disappointments when you're striving to be a varsity athlete, any disappointment is because of racism or other factors. 
I don't know any coaches who made decisions based on anything other than what would get their best team out on the floor. I also know somebody who is very close with somebody who coached this girl. And I was told last night this girl was not varsity talented player. Just isn't there. Maybe not there yet as a sophomore. Maybe could be still. He was going to make her a swing player. Most time on JV, sometime on varsity. Well, she now assumes that that is a racist decision, and this complaint is being made. And, again, I don't know this coach personally. He does say that he, he admits that he swore when she was complaining to an assistant coach about not making the varsity. He said, I don't give two bleeps about you. That's wrong. And it's, you know, most coaches swear. I never did. I don't believe in swearing in front of kids. I don't believe in swearing when I'm not in front of kids. I just don't swear in my life. And I don't think it's a productive way to communicate. And the coach, according to the Severed Herald story, he did admit that he, he used an expletive in front of this girl. I don't condone that. But my sources who know a little bit about this program and this kid say that she's just not ready to play varsity. But we have kids now who believe that everything is about racism because they are being taught in the schools that everything is not based on merit but based on your advantages or your disadvantages or the fact that you have no chance of making it because of all the strikes that are against you. And it's a dangerous place where we are because it does the kids no favor to tell them that they always miss out on things only because they're a victim, never because maybe you weren't good enough, because that is a possibility. I've had kids who are disappointed myself. But, man, you're going to lose all the good coaches, too. If this is what happens, this is this guy's first coach, first year coaching at Meadowdale, and he's got a racial discrimination suit against him, and uh, I assume there are good reasons why they hired this guy. But, uh, man, we've got more and more kids who are unwilling to accept that maybe we still have a meritocracy in sports. And maybe I didn't make varsity because I wasn't quite good enough for being on varsity. But the message that is being drilled into kids from the earliest ages is with all this CRT nonsense is deck is stacked against you. You don't have a chance to make it. And if you don't make it, it's because you're a victim. Sometimes... There are other truths to those stories. And I'm going to continue to try to get to the bottom of this one. All right, up next in The Big Lead. The Big Lead, Dory Monson Show exclusive. Well, as we've been telling you, this is our holiday magic event where we partner with Treehouse. And we've talked about trying to make sure every kid has a gift under the tree. But I want you to know about some of the other things that Treehouse does. For example, their Treehouse Graduation Success Program. A recent graduate of that program is David, and he joins us here. Hey, David, it's great to talk to you today. Hey, it's great to be heard. Tell me about your uh, the, the graduation success program. How did you first connect with Treehouse, and what were your life circumstances that kind of brought you two together? So the very first time I ever met my first Treehouse worker was at my uh, first foster home. I was, I was in the eighth grade. This was the summer after eighth grade. So I was getting ready for my first year in high school where Treehouse all starts. Well, where it started for me, at least. And 
Treehouse came over, they bought a pizza, and the pizza they had purchased was from Pizza Pipeline. It's called Colossal. It's like four foot by four foot. It's a massive pizza. My brother ate so much he made himself sick, but that's when they came and they sat down with us and they kind of explained what they do. And what it is, is they help out foster youth in completing their goals to graduate with good grades and graduate the year they're supposed to. Um, a lot of foster kids don't really have the opportunity or didn't have the opportunity growing up to, to have the resources to be successful. And Treehouse is really about giving those resources to kids. Well, that's really awesome because if you are in the, the foster system, uh, you probably have a couple of things that you're already dealing with. So to have Treehouse come along and say for this most important element of your life, this building block of finishing high school and being able to, to focus on uh, just starting to build a life, I would imagine that is particularly important for foster kids. Yes, a lot of foster kids, uh, even such as myself, when we weren't in foster care, our foundation was very shaky. It would be a new place every other night. And the story is different for everyone, to be honest with you. Um, Just coming from my story and the stories I've heard from other kids is one thing in common. There was no healthy adult relationships around. And Treehouse has offered a lot of healthy adult relationships to grow in your academic standards and to learn how to be an independent thinker and make good decisions. It's awesome. Okay, so you are part of the graduation success program, and uh, and now you got a job after graduating high school. Is that right? So um, I'm I've only ever had two. Uh, jobs my first job i was working at panda express and i had that when i was when i turned 16 um i was there for about a year and a half then i i quit find something closer um and during this period i'm still always talking with the treehouse workers checking in they're asking me what my plan is helping me work towards the plan and the job i currently have is actually across the street from my apartment and it is a a it's like a grocery store or a general store it's called Bymart. And I heard that you are in a, a hardware a hardware specialist there. Is that right? Yes, I am. That's fantastic. And your younger brother is still part of your life, not just a part of your life, but you're trying to, to make sure that you can help guide him through some of the, the tough times that you've experienced. Is that right? Yeah, of course. And I actually have the opportunity that most people don't get, and I have the opportunity to raise my brother as well. So he's actually living with me in my own apartment, and uh, I've got my own job. I keep him well-versed in his academics, uh, along with Treehouse at school, checking in with him. I check in with them. Um, It's a very connected situation, you know? Well, I mean, I just think that's so fantastic because uh, there's some people who might think that you've got plenty to worry about, just worrying about yourself and finishing high school and getting that job and being self-sufficient, having an apartment. But the fact that you're also willing to uh, to help out your brother like this, uh, it shows that uh, it sounds like you are thinking way beyond just yourself, David. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, one when you've gone through a lot of situations, uh, for instance, some of the ones I've gone through, you need to be able to look at the world and see a bigger picture and see what your end game is. 
and always be asking yourself, is this going to better my life or is this going to make things worse? What are some of the things you've turned your back on that would have made your life worse? Well, a few things would have been like abandoning my brother. Um, getting an apartment in Spokane would have been bad. I wouldn't have been close to Deer Park or nor as close with my brother. Um, I turned down the opportunity to stay at Panda Express, my first job. I was making more, <laughs> yep. the, a higher dollar amount an hour there than I am now. But uh, overall, after gas money and everything, I'm making more money at Bymart. Good for you. Hey, I'm looking at your webpage. Uh, you're also, it looks like you're quite an artist. You do a little woodworking too? Yeah, I do a lot of, uh, it's called mixed media. So what mixed media is, is you use different, uh, like media as in your material. You use different materials to make one final product. And uh, the picture you're probably seeing is uh, my 10 degree uh, table that I made with the Lynchburg effect on the top. And so that yeah. would be the wood on top with a uh, steel frame and then wires running through it. And that took uh, my senior year pretty much to make. Is that your future? I know that you're you know, just working to pay the bills now, but, uh, I mean, this is beautiful. This looks like something you could do professionally if you want to. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I get, uh, I need about one more tool, and then I just need to buy the materials, and I can make uh, – smaller size coffee tables of that one at home just beautiful well it's just great talking with david and to hear the challenges you've had to hear how you're overcoming them and what would your message be to everybody listening right now who's uh trying to decide if they want to be part of our holiday magic program with treehouse i would say do it you're going to be helping kids help themselves and you're going to be helping the treehouse workers help so many kids and you don't even know how much it'll affect them your story's awesome david nice job and uh stay focused on those goals that you have and uh i'll look forward to hearing about you for years to come because it sounds like you're on a great path well thank you very much i do appreciate that okay it's really nice to talk with you merry christmas happy holidays thanks for coming on with me today yeah no problem happy holidays have a good one yes i will all right thank you david uh that is david how cool is that? Okay, if you're in the foster care system, you got some strikes against you, right, to begin with in life. But that's one of the things I wanted to make sure you knew about this uh, uh, is holiday magic as we continue to raise funds because they have this high school mentoring program that got David through high school, and now he's doing the same with his little brother. He's working hard. He's an artist. And those are the kinds of kids that we want to all help out collectively with all the magic programs. So if you want to bid on an item or just make a donation, go to mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic. That's mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic. And if you want to bid on that fishing excursion with Tom Nelson, me, Nicole, you can do that at the same link. Mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic. And that is your big lead this hour. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. Oh, so much more to do on a busy afternoon. We're going to hear, oh, the president is making some news today. I can't wait to hear that. That much more to come as the Dory Monson Show rolls on. Well, Joe Biden got close to the United States-Mexico border today. 
But while we still have a dire crisis, hundreds of thousands of people a month invading this country illegally, and we know why. You know, I played you a couple weeks ago the soundbite from Chuck Schumer, who says that he wants to make sure that the 11 million people in this country illegally right now become citizens and registered voters, and this is just an attempt to try to gain permanency for the Democrat Party. So Joe Biden, he has no interest in securing the border. Now, what's particularly despicable despicable about this is every city in the country is now a border town because the fentanyl that the Chinese are providing to the cartels and the cartels are shipping up into America, the fentanyl is killing young Americans, mainly 18 to 42-year-old young men, all across the country. And because of that, we're all border towns now because the lack of control at the border has led to the greatest cause of death among young men in America. Number one is fentanyl poisoning. Number one cause of death. It's like a 9-11 every several weeks. You know, 3,000 people died on 9-11. Well, we have about 3,000 people dying from fentanyl every couple of months in America. And we don't do anything about this crisis. You know, Donald Trump, uh, when he was president, he suggested bombing the cartels. And his defense secretaries, no, 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 we're not going to drop bombs in Mexico. He didn't mean that. Why? Why is that such a wrong thing? If the cartels are obvious sources of a drug that's killing thousands of Americans every couple of months, why wouldn't we go and bomb them? The same way we've bombed Al-Qaeda camps around the world in other countries. If these cartels are delivering the drugs that are killing hundreds of thousands of Americans, then yes, we need to take them out. But as for Joe Biden, he appointed Kamala Harris his border czar. She's never been there. He's never been to the border, not as president, in his life, even when he was in the Senate for decades and decades and decades. He never has gone to the border. Closest he ever came was he was in El Paso, Texas, for a fundraiser one year, but he never got close to the border even when he was in El Paso. So Joe Biden's never been to the border. Our border czar's never been to the border. And yet, Joe Biden refuses still to see what's going on when millions of Americans are dying. So early today, Joe Biden was on his way to a chip manufacturing plant in Arizona. And Steve Ducey said, well, you're going to be within a couple hundred miles. Are you going to go visit the border while you're down in Arizona? And not visit the border. Because there's more important thing going on. They're going to invest billions of dollars in a new enterprise. Uh, there's more important things going on than hundreds of thousands of Americans being killed because... They're going to invest billions of dollars in a chip manufacturing plant. I don't know if it's more like Intel or Doritos. I haven't gotten any confirmation on that. But uh, he says the reason he's not going to the border is because there's more important things going on. Well, not in the minds of the American people, Mr. President. The death toll from the open borders, 
the sheer number of illegals streaming into our country, that's all pretty important stuff to most Americans. And for you to declare that it's not important is shocking. But it is the kind of president we've been dealing with for a couple of years now. And then he tried to talk about this lab that he was going to go visit that produces nanochips down in Arizona. And today, TSMC has announced a second major investment. We'll construct a second fab here in Phoenix to build chips, the three nanochips, the three nanochip, chips that are three nano. And you know what I'm saying. Nano, no, no, I don't know. We have no idea what you're saying. You, you have no idea. When Joe Biden says, you know what I'm saying, Joe Biden doesn't even know what he's saying. And then he finishes it. It sounds like Mark. From Mark and Mindy. Nano, nano. I mean, this is another example of a president whose cognitive decline is the worst we've ever seen in an American president. Investment. We'll construct a second fab here in Phoenix to build chips, the three nanochips, the three nanochip, chips that are three nano. And you know what I'm saying. <laughs> nano, no, no, I don't know. Man, it's bad. And then you have Democrat Debbie Dingell, who says that there's a good reason why Joe Biden does not need to go visit the border. Would you like to see him visit the border? I don't care if he visits the border or not. That doesn't, he doesn't need to visit the border to know we've got a problem. He's got people that report to him every day about what the problem is. And sometimes we fixate on these little issues. Do you think the president doesn't know we got a problem at the border and what the issues are? Wait, wait, that, I know he does. But, but not necessary to see it firsthand. That's a little issue? I, I, I think he knows it's got to be addressed. He's gotten the reports. He's seen the photos. So that's, I, I mean, I, at some point he may or may not go, but I think he knows what's got to get fixed. And you've seen him begin that process. Because he's seen the photos, she says. So we're leaving our U.S.-Mexico border wide open. And it's okay because Joe has seen the photos. I wonder if he did a good job of processing what those photos told him. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Nano, no, no, I don't know. Yeah, probably. All right, quick time out here, and then we're going to count down our favorite sound bites of the day. Awesome audio is coming up next here on the Dory Monson Show. Stretch we come with a day with a show with a show with a day. We're not done. This is the time we'd like to count down our favorite sound bites of the day. This is Dory Monson's awesome audio clips of the day. I always love listening to Senator John Kennedy from Mississippi because he just always has a way to spin whatever he's saying in a delightful way. For example, today's topic high IQ people who are still stupid. These woke, high-IQ, stupid people, they're easy to recognize. They hate George Washington. They hate Thomas Jefferson. They hate Dr. Zeus, and they hate Mr. Potato Head. These woke, high-IQ, stupid people, they walk around, they walk around with Ziploc bags of kale that they can eat to give them energy. 
Now, if you want to eat kale, that's up to you. I don't eat kale. You know why? Because kale tastes to me like I'd rather be fat. And these high IQ stupid people, the wokers in charge in Washington, D.C., the berserk wing of the Democratic Party, they hyperventilate on their yoga mats if, if you use the wrong pronoun. They're all over Washington, D.C. Only thing I would challenge them on, I'm not sure that these are all high IQ people. I just am not convinced that a lot of the woke crowd is that high in IQ. Could be wrong. If somebody can prove me wrong. I'll be receptive to that. Uh, also in our awesome audio, this was something. On uh, Tucker Carlson's show last night, he talks about how, first of all, our Secretary of State, Kim Wyman, who was elected in 2020, she almost immediately after she was reelected Secretary of State, she left for a Biden administration post with the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agenda agency. Sorry, couldn't read my own writing. Agency. But why didn't she stay as Secretary of State? Well, it turns out her office, according to Tucker Carlson last night, her office was blowing whistles on people from this state who had concerns about, first of all, Jay Inslee wanting to prioritize government giving to green companies. On October 29, 2024, example, an official with the Washington Secretary of State's office wrote to CISA, quote, I wanted to flag two tweets with possible misinformation about the election. Misinformation about the election. Now, remember, misinformation is a new word it's been around the intel world for a long time, but it's never been used in common conversation until recently. And the distinction between misinformation and lying is that misinformation can be true. It doesn't have to be untrue to be censored. So it used to be truth is a defense. If you're telling the truth, you can say it. Not anymore. With mis and disinformation, if I don't like it, if I'm in power, I can censor you. For example, I've been saying for many years now, I think the 2004 Washington State gubernatorial election was stolen. When they found a tray of mostly Democrat ballots a month after the election in a warehouse at the King County Democrat headquarters, yeah, that seems awfully fishy to me. And I'm convinced that Dean Logan, who was running King County elections at the time and then said all kinds of trouble down in Los Angeles, I'm convinced that they rigged a gubernatorial election in this state. Well, it turns out that... The Secretary of State, somebody in Kim Wyman's office, was sending notes to this cybersecurity and disinformation security agency, and they then went to Twitter and said, hey, you can't let anybody question the 2004 Washington State election. The tweet read this, quote, Washington State in 2004, judges ignored the real count and rewarded the Democrats. Another tweet from the same account read simply, ballots can appear whenever from whomever. Now, you can agree or disagree with those tweets. They seem true. But in any case, they're opinions. They're a political take. And you see tweets like that all the time on Twitter because this is a free country, or was. But what happened next is shocking. And it's amazing that anyone would defend it. The federal government shut down those opinions. Within minutes, CISA flagged the tweets to several DHS accounts. These people with guns. Then CISA sent the report directly to Twitter. Please see the report below from Washington, CISA wrote. And the tweets, of course, were censored. 
the government got a random Twitter user with a small following shut down because they didn't like his or her views on the 2004 election in Washington State because they criticized Democrats. The government. And that's pretty scary. When your free speech rights depend not on the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, but your free speech rights depend upon what party is in charge and they get to decide what's hurtful and what represents misinformation. And as you know, we've seen this so long in the battle against COVID, where a senator in Australia has been on the argument circuit trying to talk some sense into the vaccine lockdown mandates down there. Oh, well, well, here we are, the end of 2022, and we've had over 10 million cases of COVID. Uh, the Australian Health Department, of course, stopped counting around September sometime because I think it was getting too embarrassing to admit that despite with over 20 million people being vaccinated, over half the country had caught COVID. Whatever happened to protecting you? Whatever happened to protecting you? But we don't want to talk about that anymore. We'll just pull it off the website and not discuss it. Yeah. What about protecting you? If it doesn't fit their preconceived data, like from the data daddy, then that info might not get to us. So we'll keep an eye out on all of this stuff. We'll keep watching out for the government and what they're doing to us. And for now, I got to get out of here. The John Curley, Sherry Elker Show is coming up next. God bless you in these crazy times. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. High noon. It'll-